0: Walter, upstairs.
1: Are you all right?
0: In the floor behind the
2: chair,
3: this is
4: America. And it is that time. Fix It Radio, KLZ 560. Happy Saturday, everybody. Thanks for listening to us. If you're listening on Tuesday, well, happy Tuesday as well, or any other time you might be listening to Fix It Radio, Sundays as well. So thank you so much. We appreciate that, or whatever day it happens to be that you hear this, because we replay it several different times. So thank you very much. We appreciate that. And any questions you have for us for anything around the house, Larry Unger's with me today in studio. He's normally answering phones, but we borrowed him for this side of you the... commandeered me, yeah. Yeah, we, we <laughs> threw him in here. So uh, we'll have Drive Radio, of course, coming up here in a little bit as well. Charlie Grimes, your engineer. And, uh, gosh, where do we start? Today, what I wanted to do was talk about permits. And it's the dreaded word, and yes, I will also be the first to say that I feel like there are some things that they require permits for that, frankly, you shouldn't have to get.
5: It's an unnecessary evil in some cases, yes.
4: Other cases, I can understand why we need to do that because of what people... Again, the good people, you wouldn't have any issues. Right. The reason why we have certain permits for certain things is because of the one knucklehead that went off and did something... That ended up having huge ill effects on a lot of other people around them.
5: Because they didn't have a clue what they were doing.
4: And that's why a lot of things today, Larry, are permitted.
5: Yes. And unfortunately, and and I've been on both sides of the table, and I, I, I understand the reason for a permit, and I also see a reason why you don't need a permit. Because if you know what you're doing and you know how to get it done, things just work very well that way right but when you bring in a city official
4: to inspect who has their own they as in he or she has their own opinion at times i've also been through this at times and all of you have as well there are times where something may not be quite as cut and dried as it may appear to be and there has to be a judgment call made by a quote-unquote inspector and I will tell you that I think some judgment calls are made very well. Some judgment calls are not. Now, here's something else to think about as well, and it's not being critical. just I'm just stating the facts for all of you that are listening, because I think these are important things for folks to know, especially you know, now that we're back to a point where if you go to look at buying a home, you can go through an inspection process. I know inspections were being waived for a while, which I thought was really dumb. I don't think you should ever do that. You, you yourself at least need to do the inspection if you don't hire someone to do it, and and that's a whole other discussion we may get into today if I have time. I want to add this really fast. Again, nothing against inspectors, but in the state of Colorado, there is no licensing for home inspectors. True. So Larry and I could go to some of the associations that are out there, join you know, Show some background, whatever. Be a part of the association because there's some membership things on inspectors. And there's some good ones. I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. There's some good inspector associations that are out there. But it's a self-regulated end of things, which, again, Larry and I could go hang a shingle. And by the way, I think if Larry and I hung a shingle and did home inspections, we would do just fine and probably catch some <laughs> things that a lot don't. So I'm not... i am not. Maybe, the, maybe you and I are not the best example. But... Point being, Larry, we could become home inspectors Monday. Yes. If we wanted to.
5: Very easily.
4: Yes. And there are really good inspectors. And there's some, in my opinion, not so good inspectors. There's some inspectors, just like on the used car side. There are technicians that will look at a used car and nitpick every little thing that may or may not even have anything to do with the roadworthiness or what that vehicle is going to do down the road for you as the buyer. On the same token, there are some technicians out there that will miss things that are very important to you as a buyer, and it's very important to know who's doing those inspections when you're buying these type of items, house or car, to make sure that you're getting something that works for you.
5: Well, let's face it. People are people. So if they're having a bad day, they didn't sleep well that night, and they're coming to your house to do an inspection, they may not do a thorough inspection. And on the other side, you could have somebody that's really – a uh, a go-to type person, correct. And they'll go through your house and tell you exactly what's going on.
4: Correct. So, where I want to start today is really kind of uh, direct this more towards some of you that may be looking to buy a home, and and it may not even be you. It could be uh, a sibling. Could be a, a you know mother or father. Maybe somebody's moving to Colorado. Maybe you're moving someplace else. Maybe you've got family that's doing something. Uh, you got you could have a friend, relative, you know, any, anybody that you're trying to help along these lines. I'm not talking to you in particular because a lot of you that are out there have a home and you like where you live and you may not be looking to do anything with it. On the same token, some of you may you may see an opportunity. You may want to jump on that. Maybe you can cash out of what you've got now, make, make a decent profit, go to the next one. Some of you could do this over and over again, flip homes, make some money. I want to give you all some tips. I personally have learned over the years, and I'm not, I'm not the only one out there, so there will be some of you that are listening that may want to call in and add to this. But I want to at least get started with how you do some of your own research before ever deciding to buy a home walk through the contract process, hire that inspector, and go through all of that expense because, by the way, the inspectors are not free. The seller does not pay for the inspection. Right. You are. And in some cases, an inspection can be anywhere from $300 to $1,000 depending upon how big the home is, how much time they're going to spend, what what's involved in the inspection, and so on. And there's a lot of things you can look at On the front side. So what I want to walk through is, first of all, what are the types of things that need to be permitted? As I said opening, far too many. (laughs) And some things I'm not really concerned about. For example, and my wife reminded me of this. Back east, if you go to Walmart and buy the cheesy three to four foot above ground pools... Technically, those are supposed to have a permit before you inflate it, put it up, do anything with it in your backyard. Every state or area may be a little different, but that's an example, in my opinion, of a stupid, you know, a stupid uh, permit. Yep. Okay. There's all sorts of permits for you know selling things. It, it it you know in some in some cities you've got to have a permit to have a garage sale. I'm not for that. That those are not the kind of permits that I'm talking about. What I feel are permits that... And you may feel different than I, but there's some permits that I do feel that, yes, you should have and things should be done to standard before anybody signs off and you move on. Absolute electrical heating and air. Right now, they're running a $1,000 special off of furnaces. And by the way, if you call into them, tell them you listen to Fix It Radio, please, I would appreciate that. But right now, they're running a special. $1,000 off an installation of a furnace. That includes... Them going through the permit process to put in a new furnace because yes, that has to be permitted. That one I agree with. There's usually propane or natural gas. There's electrical connections that have to be made. Uh, There's certain sizes that need to be met for the home. Certain ducting that needs to be you know needs to happen so we don't have carbon monoxide issues and so on. Yes, that is one where having a permit is is in my opinion one of those things that should happen in that particular case.
5: Well, and don't be surprised if you decide you're going to have a furnace replaced uh, in a home that's 30 years old, there may be some upgrades that has to be done.
4: Good point, Larry. Yep. Yes, good point. So, again, am I against all permits? No. Am I against some permits? The stupid ones, yes, I am. And, and there are a lot of them. So what, I'm, what I want to start with is, How do you find the history of a home you're looking at? Unless you're buying a new home, that's a whole other discussion, which I could get into on a separate show. But on a used home, how do you find the history of that home? And what I will tell you is, unless a home is, you know, 100 years old, if it's built even in the 70s or so, the ability for you to go online and find the history of that home. I mean, history as in all of the owners. All of these sales and the dollar amounts of. What the home is assessed at today. The building permits or the upgrade permits that have been pulled through the years. All of that is readily available online at the majority of counties across the country. Some make that way easy to find. Others, you've got to do a little digging to find. Some of them put it right out in front, and it's easy just to go click, fill in the address or the property parcel number, and boom, you've got all the history you need right here in front of you. Others, and, and this is not uniform. Now, if there was anything that we did as states, it would be nice if every county had to use the same systems. They don't. What you may find in Jeffco will be different than Boulder, will be different in Gilpin, will be different in Douglas, will be different in Denver, and on down the line we go. Some of them use similar systems, but in general, you're going to find how they've done the website and the search mechanisms and even the tools used to find property addresses and even sometimes the map itself can be done differently depending upon what system they have signed up with. Why that's not more uniform, especially inside of a single state, is beyond me. But it is not. It is very much all over the map. So in some cases, you may have to do a little more digging than others. I will tell you, I live in Jefferson County. And as much as I love Jefferson County, and the majority of what I need to go find online is pretty easy, finding the building permits for a property and some of the things that I'm chatting about right now is not that easy to find. You have to do some digging. And sometimes it's as simple as even going to a search engine and typing in Jefferson County, Colorado, building permits. And you can then get a link to go to wherever you need to fill in the property address and away you go. But in a lot of cases, again, you can go back in time and find out what was built originally on that property. Were there any disputes, by the way, on said property? Everything even to civil cases with the HOA. You can find all sorts of things by a property address. It would shock you, actually, to learn all of the things that are published for your own home that most people don't know that are there. And I also feel like, at times, it's not a bad thing to go in and check your own information on your own home to, A, make sure that it's accurate. If you, in fact, did pull a permit for something that doesn't show up, you should probably get that corrected because, again... The person looking to buy your home someday may very well do what I'm talking about. Now, they may not, because not everybody knows about all the things I'm telling you. No, most people don't. So they may not look, but a lot will. The smart ones will. I'm one of those guys, I know I'm weird, but I'm one of those guys where if I'm looking at any kind of a property, first thing I do, who owns it? Who owns it? What do they do for a living? What company do they own? Where do they work? And you guys are thinking, well, that's all private. No, actually, it's not. Really not that hard to find and figure out. And why do I care? Well, is it an investment property? Do they live there? Do they have five homes, and this just happens to be one of them, and maybe they're not in it a whole lot? All of those factors I just mentioned has to do with how well the home is maintained and cared for, in my opinion. In fact, I will go as far as saying, depending upon what the person does for a living, may have a lot to do with how well the home is cared for, period. Can't disagree with that. So that's why I want to know, what does the person that owns it now do? And you can learn a lot about people. Because typically, you can even find their social media accounts. What do they do? All those different things can be gathered by just doing some simple searches. So first thing I want to look at when I see a property is who owns it. The other reason I want to see that is you can get a pretty good idea of somebody's financial situation based upon the information I just gave you. Why does that matter, you ask? Well, when you're now in the world where we can make deals on homes again because things have changed economically in the real estate world, you can now go in and offer a price that's less than the asking price in some cases. Not always. In some cases, I was talking to a realtor friend of mine uh, just yesterday, and there are still some homes, believe it or not, bringing above asking price. There are still some out there. Depends on where it is. Depends on how long it's been on the market. Depends on all sorts of factors. So there are still homes out there that are bringing above purchase, you know, above asking price. They're being purchased at above asking price. So I'm not saying that it's just a given that everything out there is going to be below the purchase price. But we know that we've shifted, and we're in a time now to where you can make a deal on a home. You can throw that inspection back in on some of these things. So why does it matter as to who owns it when it comes to those things? Well, to me, if somebody's got three homes... And it looks like they're just trying to offload one. Are they willing to maybe make a little better deal on it than if it's their primary residence because they need all that money to go to the next home? I I think it does, yes.
5: Well, on the other side of the coin is, if that home was a rental home, just like a Rental rental car, it can be well abused And you can cover up a lot with cosmetics, but it doesn't change
4: the Great point, Larry. Great point. Again, why do I want to know who owns the home? Larry just brought another facet into it. Maybe an investor owns the home. Yep. I want to know all of that, not only so I can make a deal on the home, but so I know the history of and what should I be looking for as I now start to go through some of my inspection process. A lot Mm -hmm. of homes out there, by the way, you can see, especially in some of the older neighborhoods, they're flips. Yeah, you can look at when the when the home was last purchased, what the price was, what permits were pulled, and what are they asking for now, and that will tell you this is a flip. Typically, you can look at it and see that it's a flip, but yeah. you, you get my drift. And again, that gives you some some ideas because here's the other thing you can look at: they paid X for the home. You pretty well know in your mind what certain things cost to do as far as upgrades, especially if you're looking at the home and you see the quality of what said upgrades are. For example, did they put in a slip-in tub shower assembly, or was everything custom done with custom tile and a custom tub and all of that? There's a big difference in price between the two things I just said. So you can look at the upgrades, get a legal pad out, and start writing some of those down as to what you think what the prices would be. You know what they paid for the home. You know what they're asking for it now. You know what the profit margin is. There's your wiggle room. Because they're probably not going to take less than what they have in it. Now, if they put more in it than it's going to bring, that's their problem. But you understand where I'm starting here. You can look at these things and get an idea of where that movement could potentially be based upon some of the things I just told you. So let's take a break. Joe, hang tight. We'll come right back, give you plenty of time that way. This is Fix It Radio, phone number 303-477-5600. If it's Tuesday or any other time we're replaying the show, you can text us a question as well, 307-200-8222. This is Fix It Radio, KLZ 560.
6: repair services offer limited warranties, or worse, none at all. You can trust the original Novus pros to stand behind their work with a full refund that you can use towards a windshield replacement for the life of your windshield. Find a Novus location near you by going to our website drive-radio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass, a proud sponsor of Drive Radio.
7: Rates just keep going up, making it harder to buy or refinance a home. Take AIM, Affordable Interest Mortgage, seven two zero eight nine five zero five hundred. Make your 30-year payment, but own your home in 15 years, all while paying half the interest. Have access to your equity for 30 years without having to refinance and pay more fees. Take AIM, 720 There are thousands of customers taking advantage of this simple interest loan. It's times like this when you can really save in your interest costs and pay less. Go to aimortgage.net and see our Google reviews about the Asset Manager Mortgage. Take AIM, 720-895-0500. Get up to 90% loan-to-value and up to $2 million in loan amount, all at the same rate as a $100,000 loan. Whether you want a condo, second home, investment, or cash out, all come with the same rate. No more paying higher fees and higher rates. Take AIM, 720-895-0500. Pay less interest and own your home faster. Call 720-895-0500. NMLS 298-191. Regulated by DOOR Equal credit lender.
4: We know that summer weather won't last forever. Getting your furnace checked before old man winter arrives can avoid costly and inconvenient breakdowns on your HVAC system. Absolute Electrical Heating and Air is offering a $59 furnace tune-up special to ensure the reliability of your HVAC system before you need it the most. No wait time from the best team Denver has to offer. Schedule your $59 furnace tune-up now so you don't lose precious heat when you need it the most. Call 720-442-8842 or go to fixitradio.com today.
0: For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical Heating and Air.
8: You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured, but you're not alone. While Paul Leuenberger believes in personal accountability, he wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. Insurance is not a concease. And when you work with Paul, you'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Leuenberger with American National Insurance now at 303 662 That's 303 662
2: If you think you need a new roof, think again. I might be able to save you thousands by adding five years of life to your existing roof with a roof max treatment. Hi, this is Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado. We specialize in helping 90% of our clients avoid a costly replacement by adding at least five more years of life to the roofs and is guaranteed with a five-year transferable warranty. However, if it makes more sense to replace your roof due to wear and tear or storm damage, we are more than happy to do so. Yet, our goal is to do everything we can to get you more life from your existing roof. Whether it is an asphalt shingle roof or a flat roof for both residential or commercial. Give us a call at 303-710-6916. That's That's 303-710-6916. 303-710-6916 or go to roofsaversco.com and I will assess your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Mention you heard this on KLZ 560 to receive your $250 fall discount.
4: All right, we are back. Fix It Radio, KLZ 560, myself, Larry Younger, Joe calling in from Jersey. What's going on, Joe?
9: Uh, John, a couple things, having just gone through a, a sale of a rural property two years ago. Um, but let me go back to um, uh, permitted remodels. Um, one of the things that you should always ask for if you're buying a house, you should ask the seller for a statement to list any improvements uh, for which you're in a, in a, a permit was not obtained. And let me tell you why that's important. Say somebody remodeled their basement, uh, which does because you're running new electric service and right. that you require um, and by the way, if you have uh, an improvement like that and the house catches fire and burns down, the insurance company could deny your claim. Um, normally you've only got two years on a normal contract of sale, but if somebody makes a representation to you that, uh, no, all improvements were permitted, and then it turns out that wasn't true, you have three years from to discovery. So, you know, seven years later, if you go to sell the house and they discover that, hey, you have a finished basement here that was never permitted, um you have three years from the date it was discovered to go after the seller for a fraudulent representation. So, uh, number one, don't ever lie about that because you've got an unlimited liability window. And number two, you ought to always ask for that because even if you discover something seven years later, um, you can go back after the seller for that fraudulent representation. Hmm. So always, always ask for Mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, certification. Second on rural properties, um, well test. You know, the the buyer mm-hmm. had a well test done on my property. My my well was twenty five years old, and the, the original well pump was in there. And the guy it was still pumping water. So the guy came, you know, the well inspector came, and and he said, you know, you're drawing more amperage, and you know, the well pump is you know twenty year you're already five year past the five years past the rated life of the pump, and the amperage is way higher than it should be. Um, and he told the seller, so we had to negotiate a. Um, you know, a credit for him to uh, replace that well pump, and I was, you know, and, and that wasn't unreasonable. That well pump was well past its useful life, right. and that's not a right. I think it was a six six or seven thousand dollar item.
4: Yeah, they don't last forever.
9: Uh, they don't last forever, and it was, you know, it was it was on borrowed time. So yeah. that was so right point. Buy a rural if you're going to same thing with septic. Um, I didn't realize this, but the the uh, rules had changed it's law, and I had a septic.
4: <laughs> the new law. Uh,
9: New law, and I had to have a uh, concrete um, man, uh, like a manhole sleeve, uh, put above my well, you know, and that cost me a couple of grand. Uh, so make sure you get a septic tank inspection. Yeah, well, in uh, fact,
4: for, for all of you listening who live in the rural areas, that will be required if your real estate agent hasn't told you that it is. It's a law now in the state of Colorado through the Department of Health that all counties have a program whereby. There is a certification before you can transfer it to the next person. In fact, Joe, right. the certification comes in the buyer's name.
9: Uh, I wasn't aware of how the the paperwork yep. was handled, but yep. yeah, that was another, that was another thing. I think it cost me thirty five hundred bucks to have my yeah. Which the for code. those of you
4: listening, if you're thinking of selling and you've not done any of that, it wouldn't be a bad idea just to get that done on the front side because yet to your point, Joe, that it's it's going to come up. And the reason for that, really quick, that's another one of those areas where is that a stupid permit or a stupid license or a stupid law or not? Well, as you know, Joe, you know, we've got lots of, you know, underground groundwater and so on, and you know, you get a leaky septic system that's not not functioning the way that it's supposed to, and that's going out into the soil and the groundwater and so on, and it's not percolating and doing the things it should be to to dissipate what's there, yeah, that can become a problem, especially for your neighbor.
9: Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not sure, you know, I had a septic tank that was down quite a bit, and um, you know, I had to have one of these manhole, you know, it was like a concrete yep. manhole sleeve. sleeve like so sleeve, so top.
4: they can access it easier.
9: Yep. Right, so yeah. that was, you know... And it took, by the way, in terms of getting it scheduled and done and performed, and what you know that added uh, it didn't hold up the sale. But if you're looking to do a quick sale, um, you you better have that lined up. Particularly if it's January. That's right.
4: That's (laughs) right, Joe. And the
9: ground and the ground is frozen solid, and you're looking for a quick sale. Correct.
4: Correct. Great point.
9: It's
4: not going to happen in January. Great point. And and, and it's one of those things where, to your point, if you've got an older system, the the tank is down, or it's just had a lot of soil and debris or somebody's landscaped, and they've added things and so on, and things happen, Joe, you know that, and you can't find that lid any longer. Uh, Yeah, you better figure out how to get the lid, how to get it dug up. If it's down a certain ways, you're going to have to give them access. It's going to be required anyways. You might as well just go ahead and take care of it.
9: Yeah, and it's going to be cheaper to do it now That's than right. to do it in general. That's right. Gen-
4: well, here's the other thing, Joe. Gen- it's cheaper to do it in your time than it is when you're in some sort of a rush situation.
9: Yes, and it's cheaper to do it when the ground's not frozen, too. So, <laughs> yeah, take your time. Get Precisely. A of
4: bid, yeah, no, you just uh, brought, you brought you up know. a great point that I really hadn't thought about in my notes today, and the whole septic thing is a didn't used to be a big deal. Used to be, oh, I'll pump it before I sell it. Okay, here's the pump yep. receipt. No big deal. And folks, if you haven't sold a house with a septic system in that amount of time, it has changed dramatically from what it used to be.
9: Yeah, I had to get certif I had to get some sort of certifications. Like That's to get right. What they
4: were. That's um, right. And and Joe, you know, and, I, Joe, to... you know they're, I mean, they're certifying the The tank itself is there any cracks or issues? I mean, basically, what happens is the guy comes out, septic system guy comes out, or you know, the septic company comes out, and, and there's certain companies, by the way, that are certified to do the certification, and others are not. You can't just pump it; they've got to pump it, get down inside, look at all of your your entrances and exits, make sure that everything is taken care of, are all the valves working properly, and so on. And that's what they'll go through to actually do the inspection. And if there's a problem, you're not going to get certified.
9: That's right. You know, pumping was like a 45-minute deal, you know, uh, every two years. The certification, you know, was a you know, half-a-day event that that cost me a couple of thousand dollars.
4: Exactly. So, uh,
9: it, it's, it's just not – And here, a here's the other method. thing
4: about that, too, for everybody listening. Even – okay, well, you're thinking, okay, well, you know, I'll get that done today and I'm going to sell in a couple of years. No, there's a window. It's almost like an emissions test, Joe, on a car. There's a window when that certification even has to be done.
9: Right, has to be done within so many days. That's of the, right. The sale.
4: That's right. So, so you can't so anyway, do it now so and sell two years from now.
9: No, that's right. So, if you've got a rural property you're thinking of selling, and particularly if you're thinking of selling in the next six months, uh, you know, look at look at those time. And, and, and really quick,
4: Joe, I want to make a correction. Uh, in in Colorado, in this Front Range area, uh, it rural may not be as rural as you think. There's even some neighborhoods that are in the cities. That have septic, where you would think, oh, this has got to be on sewer. Uh, not necessarily, Joe.
9: That's correct. Uh, I think there's a bunch of homes down in Cherry Cherry Creek that are
4: on septic. I would not that surprise state. me. Would not shock me.
9: So yeah, so you're, you're, yeah, Cherry Cherry Creek. You know, you're you're four blocks from the shopping mall, but you might be on a septic system. Right. Uh, pr- particularly if you're down there along the. Uh,
4: if you uh, know, if the, you're in a neighborhood that was built and then the city started to come in around it and surround it, it'll still be on septic.
9: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, that's my... And
4: really quick, Joe, while I'm on that topic, for those of you looking at a home with a septic system, don't be afraid. A septic system that is designed properly and works properly, there are no issues with. As you know, Joe, you just have to know how to use it properly. But if you do, they will last a lifetime.
9: Yeah, I had mine for 25 years and not, not a lick of trouble with it. You know, Of course, I had, I had it pumped... Now by, I said two years because it was basically on my wife and I most of the time, uh, and if we had a, if we had six people in the house, maybe we would have it pumped once a year. but uh, you know 25 years never lick a problem. Actually, I had two I had one at the house and I had a secondary one down in my barn because I had a barn with an apartment and a, and a bathroom down there, so we had a secondary one
4: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
9: But neither one neither one ever gave us a lick of problems. and in fact, my folks in Pennsylvania, uh, they've had theirs for 25 years. Yep, and theirs had a rather. I think they had um, a minor problem with the sensor. They had a pump system where they had to have yes. a. pump.
4: Yes, yeah, my breck house has that because it has to pump up to the leach field.
9: Pump up to the leach field, and I think they had one minor problem with the uh, the pump. You know, cost them five hundred bucks, but twenty five years, and. and yep. Uh,
4: if you take you know, care of them pump. and you don't put things yep. down them that aren't supposed to be, they will last a lifetime with no problem.
9: Absolutely, but again, the things that city folk and well, again. We talk about what's, in, you know, but if you're buying anything that might have a septic system or might be on a well, there's some other things you want to think about, particularly if you're looking to sell to sell one of those properties that has a septic system or well. And if you've done any any um, improvements that should have had a permit and didn't, uh, you could be, you know, looking at a world of hurt. And if you're buying yeah. one, you always yeah. want to ask for that certification.
4: That's right. So, and, and again, if you're looking at a home, I'm not trying to scare anybody off from, from buying a home that's on on uh, septic in fact joe i i will say this when you start talking about end of the world you know type scenarios power goes completely out you know an emp strike things like that uh folks that are on septic won't have backups those that have sewer will
9: yep absolutely
4: so they're not uh, all bad actually when it's all said and done is there more to do with it yes but if you understand it like you know you do joe or i do they're they're not that hard to get along with
9: no 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 um I mean, what you, what you need to know about a septic or a well system, you can learn in 20 minutes.
4: That's right, yeah. You know? and, and really quick, it's really easy. Don't put anything down it that doesn't degrade.
9: Yep. It's a really it simple. Yeah. Don't, be fl- <laughs> don't be flushing diapers with plastic some diaper. wipes. Exactly. Even wipes. There are some
4: wipes that will not disintegrate, you know, Joe. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, anything, it has to be biodegradable, and honestly, uh, think of it this way as well. Don't put anything down the disposal that uh, you wouldn't eat.
9: No, but you're right. But but wipes and, and diapers that have uh, you know these plastic liners on them or uh, none of database. that
4: can you use? And and some things, some even though you guys will look, even some of you that have septic systems now, you'll see some things that'll say septic safe. Um, not always. Be careful when, even when they say septic safe, because if it's something that takes a long, long time to disintegrate, you know, for the bacteria to dissolve. Uh, and if you've got a pump system like Joe was just talking about a moment ago, you could have issues with some of those items. Best bet is do not put anything other than toilet paper down the septic system, period.
9: Right. And if you've got a, a salt-based water softener, uh, that yeah. can be problematic. That's hard on them, the
4: too. Pump. Yes. Yes.
9: Um, so if you're going to put a – you're going to put a water softener in, look at reverse osmosis, but don't be discharging a lot of salt water into your good point,
4: system. Good point, because it kills the bacteria is what it does.
9: Kills the bacteria, absolutely.
4: Yeah. And, so you want, and, what, and what you want, folks, is that good bacteria. In fact, some of you that have septic systems know this. You can put some, some bugs, if you would, some bacteria in the system every now and again. Technically, if your system is working right, you don't have to, but I don't think it's a bad idea to, you know, every six months or so, Joe, put some of that in.
9: Yeah, my wife, uh, about you know, every two months, would buy a box of this. She'd buy a couple of boxes, and she'd have it in the calendar, flush a box of this Ridex. x yeah. you know, the RID-X powder. Um, about every it just two helps. Months. I, I mean, you're
4: to... just building more bacteria when you do that, which is a good thing. Yep. No, that's good. And, good, good, uh, good points, Joe. All right. That's all I got hey for this Hey, man, morning. appreciate I'm... it very much. Yeah, and bottom line, don't don't worry if it's got a septic system when you go to buy a home with one. All of what Joe and I just went through, you will have, uh, hopefully, a real estate agent if they understand how septic systems work. And this is where having agents that understand, you know, again, as as Joe said, rural areas, but it's really not even necessarily rural areas. Having an agent that understands the differences in a, quote-unquote, city home versus a country home. Big difference in some of the things we just talked about. And good agents that know rule-type properties will understand everything that we just said. There's also, and I didn't mention this with Joe, but I want to add this to it. If you're looking at a property, and to Joe's point, it's had the basement redone. And maybe they didn't pull permits, and they're willing to sign off on all the things that Joe just said. Keep in mind, septic systems are rated for how many bedrooms the house has, not how many bathrooms the house has. Yes, I just said that correctly. Septic systems are certified and inspected and permitted based upon the amount of bedrooms that are in the home. Do I agree with that? No, I think it should be off of how many bathrooms, but I'm not in charge. The reason... They'll tell you that they use bedrooms is because that's how many people quote unquote will be sleeping staying there permanently, that sort of a thing. So they base it off of the number of bedrooms and that's what they certify a septic system for, not how many bathrooms are in the house. So you could have 3 bedrooms and have 6 bathrooms and have these and have a septic system that is smaller than a four-bedroom house with three bathrooms. Half as many bathrooms, but one more bedroom, meaning that your septic system will be larger for the four-bedroom or five-bedroom house than it is for the two- or three-bedroom house that maybe has half as many bathrooms. So another thing that, back to the whole inspection and what you want to look up, everything that we just talked about with Joe, that's also now public record. It's one of the state laws they passed, I, gosh, Larry, I think almost, it's probably been maybe not quite 10 years ago or so. It's probably eight years ago they passed a law in Colorado whereby all of these different counties have to pass a certain um, inspection process when it comes to septic systems and so on, and... Again, there's a whole process in how all of this works. And because of that, they, by law, the county has to put that online as public record. So you know when the last certification was done, who it was handed off to, how many bedrooms is it certified for. My point being, you're looking at buying a house. They've refinished the basement. Maybe they didn't pull a permit. They added two bedrooms. It was a three-bedroom house. Now it's five bedrooms. They put a bathroom or two down there. It's on septic. Uh, It's out of spec for the septic system, guaranteed, unless they put an oversized septic system in to begin with, which, by the way, Larry, most people don't do because you don't have to when you're building it. Why spend any extra money at that point? Now, here's the plus side. In most cases, not all, but in most cases, can a septic system be enlarged to cover those extra bedrooms? Yes. It's not cheap, they can add extra capacity on the storage tank, and they can add to the leach field. But, of course, all of that comes with the price because they have to do some excavating. They've got to do some different plumbing and so on. Can that be done? Yes, it can be. Is it cheap? No. Here's my point. I'll close out with this before we go to the next segment. If you're looking at a home and you've done some of the research that we're talking about, and it's being advertised as a five-bedroom house, And a realtor has put it down as a five-bedroom house. But you start going through all of this inspection process, and you learn that, oh, wait a minute, it's only certified for three bedrooms. They have a problem. Not you, they. They've advertised it as a five-bedroom house, but it's only, quote-unquote, certified for a three-bedroom house, according to the septic system. Somebody is going to be doing something to make that a certifiable five-bedroom house or lowering the price or doing something because they've false advertised how many bedrooms the house actually has. So those of you that are realtors, by the way, you should be checking some of this. And I will tell you right now, I've looked at some homes. You've not done that. You haven't done your job. You took the word of the seller rather than going and looking up the documents I just mentioned and your false advertising homes. I've seen that on more than one occasion so far. So, lesson learned on, you know, word of the wise for you realtors. You need to be doing your homework on what the house actually is certified for in this particular area that I'm talking about. Or you're going to end up with a problem between you and your client and the future buyer if you're not careful and don't have all this stuff lined out. Just... Food for thought, especially for those of you that are on the buying side. Or the selling side. If you're the seller, you've added some things, and you haven't noted all of these things, you could have a problem on down the road. So just a side note. We'll be right back. Give us a call if you've got any questions or want to add to what I just said. 303-477-5600. The text line 307 200 8222 This is Fix It Radio, KLZ 560.
8: You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured, but you're not alone. While Paul Lewinberger believes in personal accountability, he wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. Insurance is not a coupon, your bank account, or for maintenance. Paul Lewinberger will tell you that your insurance is for emergencies. And when you work with Paul, you'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Leuenberger with American National Insurance now at 303 662 That's 303 662
4: End of the season, quiet, cool, blowout. The whole house fan you know and love, but with an added benefit. With any quiet, cool purchase, receive a full furnace clean, including disassembly and cleaning of your whole furnace so you're prepared when old man winter hits. By the way, that's a $300 value. That's the last thing you want to do is circulate all that dust through your clean home that's been sitting in your furnace when you fire it up for the first time. Call 720-442-8842 or go to fixitradio.com today.
0: Quality and service beyond compare. Call Absolute Electrical Heating
7: and Air. Rates just keep going up, making it harder to buy or refinance a home. Take AIM, Affordable Interest Mortgage, 720 Make your 30-year payment, but own your home in 15 years, all while paying half the interest. Have access to your equity for 30 years without having to refinance and pay more fees. Take AIM, 720 there are thousands of customers taking advantage of this simple interest loan. It's times like this when you can really save in your interest costs and pay less. Go to aimortgage.net and see our Google reviews about the Asset Manager Mortgage. Take AIM, 720 500 Get up to 90% loan to value and up to $2 million in loan amount, all at the same rate as a $100,000 loan. Whether you want a condo, second home, investment, or cash out, all come with the same rate. No more paying higher fees and higher rates. Take AIM, 720 500 Pay less interest and own your home faster. Call 720-895-0500. NMLS 298-191, regulated by DOOR. Equal Credit Lender.
2: If you think you need a new roof, think again. I might be able to save you thousands by adding five years of life to your existing roof with a roof max treatment. Hi, this is Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado. We specialize in helping 90% of our clients avoid a costly replacement by adding at least five more years of life to the roofs, and is guaranteed with a five-year transferable warranty. However, if it makes more sense to replace your roof due to wear and tear or storm damage, we are more than happy to do so. Yet, our goal is to do everything we can to get you more life from your existing roof, whether it is an asphalt shingle roof or a flat roof for both residential or commercial. Give us a call at 303-710-6916, that's 303-710-6916, 303-710-6916 or go to roofsaversco.com and I will assess your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Mention you heard this on KLZ 560 to receive your $250 fall discount.
4: All right, Fix It Radio, KLZ 560, myself, Larry Unger, Charlie Grimes, Marvin. Who's got a car question? We'll take that real quick. Marvin, what's going on?
0: Hey, thank you. Sorry for jumping the car No, you're fine. Uh, yeah, I've got an old RV. It's a uh, 94 uh, Ford E350. Mm-hmm. And all uh, oh, the darned engineers have this cockamamie Rube Goldberg ignition switch setup, which uh, is a mechanical concoction. Uh huh. Uh, The the key turns a cylinder there uh, on the steering wheel, but then they have this goofy arrangement where a bunch of the switching takes place down inside the steering column, and it has this goofy system of racks and gears. Some of them are plaques. Yeah, rack and a
4: rod and all that, yes. That was very common back in those days.
0: Well, I need to dump that column and just swap it
4: out. No, you can rebuild that. There should be parts available to rebuild. Is it a tilt column? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, you, you can. You can typically still find parts for those. There was enough of those made over the years, where still plenty of parts around. And no, you don't need to put a whole new column in it. You can rebuild what's there.
0: And there are well, people well, here in
4: Colorado that
5: will rebuild for you. Yeah,
4: they're not that hard.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can take it somewhere, and they might fix it.
4: Yes. Absolutely.
0: Okay, I might look into that. I didn't realize there was any. Oh, yeah. I
4: mean, it was common back in the day for somebody with a ball-peen hammer to steal the vehicle that way. They'd break out that area around the lock cylinder and just take a screwdriver, move the rod, start the car, and go.
9: Yep. Mm, Okay.
4: Yeah, very common.
9: GMs were the
4: same way, so it wasn't just Ford, Marvin.
0: Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, Well, I never saw an arrangement where they have this – it's hard to describe. It's like a multiple-fingered contact design, which slides as you actuate the. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, 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 it's the dumbest thing. I wish very I, I want to bypass yeah. that. Very yeah, no, common. It was very in common day. back yep. in those
4: days. It's how they locked the wheel, and yeah, there are several different things going on with all of that, and why it was doing more than one thing. But yeah, very, very common.
0: Right. Thank you for that. And side question: Are you aware of any type of kit car? Uh, that they might have that would compare with anything they had in the 60s where they would take, for instance, a VW chassis and you could bolt your own componentry and cook stuff up. Are you aware of any homebrew kit cars? Not now, no.
4: No.
5: It used to be common back in the day, but not. not Yeah, not anymore.
4: Marvin, good questions. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Jeff in western Montana, what's going on, Jeff?
3: Hey, we finally got autumn coming here. Yeah,
4: we do here too. Be cold tomorrow night here, so yes.
3: Although
5: I'm not seeing yeah, any snow um, on, the, on the mountain ridges no,
4: yet. No, not yet. There's a lit some of the very it probably melted off. We had a little bit up on the higher caps a few weeks ago, but it's gone now.
3: Yeah, well, higher caps for you guys is a little bit different than higher caps for us. <laughs> very but, true. Uh, I can't see them right now, but there's uh, passes are supposed to have some snow here.
4: So,
5: well, I, I keep uh, reading where our mountains are supposed to get about 32 inches this weekend, but I haven't seen anything.
4: Yeah, well,
3: yeah,
5: I don't know either. Uh,
4: who knows?
3: So, as you might expect in western Montana, well, um, septic systems are a way of life out yep.
4: here. You know, Jeff, they, we, we yeah. probably don't talk about them enough on air because really, you know, even in the city, there are some septic systems even here in the Front Range. We tend to think everybody's on sewer, but there is a lot of individuals across this country, that, you know, even our listening audience, that are on septic.
3: Yep. Well, we don't even have natural gas up here. We're living on a reservation. Uh, The tribal government does not want, they've had bad experiences with pipelines, and so they said no pipelines, not even natural gas. So So they'd rather have a tank sit there, huh? Yep. Um, We can discuss the wisdom of that on a later date, but um, I I had several things learned since we bought this house. First of all, the pump schedule that you have, the schedule that you need to pump your tank out and have it. Emptied depends on the size of the tank, and not all tanks are created equal. That's correct. Um, when we had ours pumped, I asked the guy doing it, I said, how often? He says, well, how many people in your household? I said, three. He goes, well, probably every five years based on the size of your tank. So, um, Well, you
4: must have you know, like a, a 1250 just- or so tank.
3: I think yeah, twelve fifty, fifteen hundred. There you go. Cause it's a it's a five bedroom house. So
4: yeah, that's probably he's 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 not far off. I don't know that I'd go quite five, four. Probably would be more of what I would do personally. But hey, you know if that's what he said. That's what he said.
3: Yeah, so I, it's just when you know for folks who have them, make sure you know the size of your tank, and uh, and use that to determine your schedule. Um, Second of all, you can actually clean out the leach field. I had ours cleaned when we yeah. first got here. They've got a wonderful uh, water-powered device that goes down there and scrubs it all out, makes sure all the holes are opened up, and roots are gone, and yeah. um, and it uh, just good preventive maintenance on the leach field as well as the tank. Um,
4: yeah, they can, you know, as you disposal. know, Jeff. They can scope those and do all sorts of things. It's no different than what you know a main line would be. It's just. Yeah, the difference is a typical regular plumber that would normally do a drain line for sewer and so on is not the same guy doing what you just said.
3: No, it is not. It's a completely different specialty.
4: That's right. That's it. And it is a specialty. Those not- guys that do that work, that's pretty much, Jeff, as you know, all they do.
3: Yeah, even the guy who pumps the tank is not the same guy that
4: cleans out the leach field. No, uh, and in so. the and even the install side, there are companies out there that that's all they do. They specialize in putting in septic systems, leach fields, and so on. That's all they do. Yep, it's actually good business.
3: And if you, it's, it's kind of it like is, the honey dippers is. back in the day. Yeah, no, it's a good business.
4: <laughs> it, it there's no, yeah there's a there, there's a there's a I I had a great uncle that made a lot of money pumping septic tanks. It's a good business, Jeff. That's
3: it. It is. Um, it's a crappy a job, but somebody's gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered when that would come out.
4: <laughs> I, I the guy that I used the guy that I use and he's local, he'll laugh if I say this. But on the back of his truck, when he pulls up to do your septic pumping, it says yesterday's meals on wheels.
3: Well <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, apropos of nothing, we used to have a garbage uh, uh, trash pickup. Uh, in missoula montana that said it may be
4: garbage to you but it's our bread and butter there you go you know um, what it's a necessary thing
3: yes it is and if you have a garbage disposal and you use it you need to get your tank pumped more often because you're putting more
4: residue that's right Uh, yeah rule of thumb really for anybody with a septic system and maybe you're somebody listening that's just moved into a home with a septic system and jeff you're right and i should have said this earlier best thing to do is any excess food you scrape that off into your waste basket, you know, into your trash bag, and you get rid of that. You put very little residue down the down the disposal. In fact, if you could go without one, you'd be better off. I do realize there's times where you need one. You want to get those things ground down a little closer, and and still even put some things down to make the the drain smell better and so on. And that's not hurting anything in the septic system itself. But yeah, you you want to put the least amount down that you can. Yep. And and also and comes, this this is something else I don't think a lot of the female end of things think about Jeff the chemicals you use to even clean inside the home toilets et cetera and what you're doing with your own personal hygiene shampoos and so on some of those can have ill effect on your septic system.
3: Yeah, they say don't use bomb antibiotic uh, soaps, uh, and what, what's the hand soaps, antibacterial soaps because they can wipe out the uh, correct bacteria in the tanks correct so. Um, that's something, and if you have uh, flushable wipes, don't flush them. Don't use you know, them because the they they, stores, they say
4: they are, but they're not for septic system. They won't. They won't. They won't degrade. They just won't.
3: No, and I'm not willing to take that chance. And then finally, something I never knew about, but I heard on a, a completely different show, um, is that um, Ridex. A lot of folks, you overuse RIDEX because if you have a functioning septic system, the bacteria uh, flourish naturally and Correct. you really don't need to add anything to it. If you add too much, you can actually overstimulate your system and cause problems. So um, I'm not saying RIDEX is a bad product and it's not appropriate. Just
4: don't overuse it. But just no, you're right. Just be careful agree. how often you use it. Yeah, that's right. I agree. It
3: cause problems where you didn't have them.
4: So that's right. That's right. Things that no, you that's a great point. From living with it. Great point. Uh, the other thing that we did for a lot of people with septic systems, just another idea, and it typically isn't you and the folks that live in your home that you have to worry about what goes down the septic system. It's typically house guests, people that come and stay, relatives and so on. We, Jeff, finally my wife's idea is we had some nice little signs made up that go on the top of every toilet that say what can go down it and what can't. Good idea. So that if we have anybody that comes even a worker or something like that somebody's you know just whatever the case may be they need to use the restroom we've we've put all these little signs in every single restroom done that in my cabin as well to where folks using it know. because it, some folks are, have never been around when they're not familiar with it they don't know what should or shouldn't go down and even kleenex you blow your nose that does not go in the toilet nope now if you have a se- sewer system be my guest not a problem but if you have septic kleenex doesn't go in the toilet
5: if you have kids no, coming in, that's a whole different...
4: Yeah, no, I, I the, the, for us, Jeff, the sign thing has cured a lot of problems.
3: Uh, well, when you care the most, you steal from the best, so um, I'll steal from that. Now, all right,
4: use it. Use it. Not a problem at all. If you want an example of it, yeah. you know, send me a text message, and I'll send you a picture of it.
3: <laughs> Thanks.
4: All right, Jeff. I'm appreciate dead. it very much. Great comments. Uh, John and Shank got a couple minutes left. Go ahead, sir.
1: Hey John, I'm listening. Thank you uh, for uh, keeping me uh, entertained while I'm working on that snowplow. <laughs>
4: there you go.
1: You know, having something in the background when you're turning wrenches is always nice. <laughs> um, quick quest- uh quick statement. My septic guy, who said, you know, we follow all the rules. He do- said, do not use Ridex because it could. Clog the leech field because it breaks down some stuff too fast.
4: Ah, okay.
1: That and uh, somebody else who said that was Ken Moon used to always say that when he had his show in Denver.
4: Yeah, I don't, he, use, don't, use, don't use that anything. particular product. I've got some other uh, product that uh, I was kind of put on to a while back, and there's little teen little teeny packets of bacteria that. Are about the size of a wet wipe that I put down. It I don't know. We put okay. that down at about once a quarter, and that's all I use.
1: Our guy said, "Don't put anything." And if you're going to go on vacation or something, the best thing to do is just flush a packet of Baker's yeast.
4: Oh, okay, good idea. Which is all back. Yeah, which yeah, is great all idea. Anyway, and it'll you know, just grow while you're it, gone.
1: You flush it, yep, yeah, and let it sit for a couple of days. If you're gone, it works pretty good. And I've had my septic 18 years. He's been out three times to pump it, and he's got me on a five-year plan. He says, we're just two of us in the house, and we do have a
4: 1250 system, I mean, th- theoretically, John, you, the way a mean? septic system is huh? supposed—Theoretically, the way a septic system is supposed to work. If we do everything proper, don't put right. anything down that kills the bacteria. Everything grows naturally. Right. Ideally, you're never supposed to pump one if everything is working properly. Problem is, we have too many other chemicals and things in our world today that kill right. some of that.
1: But yeah, if you get a good and that's what I recommend, find a local good septic guy to that's anybody right. listening. That's right, and have him evaluate your system the first time. Like if you're buying the house, yep. And the cust- and they say, "Well, we got to get it pumped out." Um, I would say, "All right, who are you using?" And I talked to the guy good right point. away when I bought. Saying, good point. Hey, What kind of schedule should we be on? What should we do?
4: There you go, John. Perfect. You hear the music. That's it, man. Thanks. uh, We'll see you here for Drive Radio in a few minutes. If you're listening on Tuesday, it'll be Rush to Reason next. But, guys, hang tight. We'll be right back. This is Fix-It Radio, KLZ 560.